I'm on the Hawkesbury River, just across from Wiseman's Ferry, about an hour north of Sydney. Hello. I'm with prawn fisher Alex Tucker, and we're waiting for her partner Paul and their eight-month-old son Byron to get back from fishing eels. Bring it in. While we wait, we chuck sticks here. for the dogs. Hunter, here, come on. You might recognise Paul and his dog Skipper from our podcast Propagate. Alex's partner Paul Aquilina also goes by the name Nipper. While Nipper sorts his eels out off the wharf, he passes Byron up to Alex. Where does he sit in the boat? In the Sydney pub? Oh, yeah, he's got a little fish <laughs> Yeah, no. Are you hungry? <laughs> I'll feed you while Daddy fixes his eels. <laughs> Byron has baby-sized wets made just for him and a teeny tiny life jacket. He spends a lot of time on the water. How could you not with Alex and Paul for parents? But he's a bit too young to appreciate more about fishing than the taste of the river water on his life jacket. Yum. He does get excited when he gets to go in the boat and I think it's just hanging out with Dad that he really likes. He loves his dad. It's crazy. We live riverfront, we have the boat ramp to la- launch <laughs> the tinnies and stuff, um, and then we have the wharf for the trawlers. So it's basically roll out of bed, straight to work. Uh, not quite for me at the moment. I'm still very much at home, but I do go out with Paul every now and then when, when we can, when it's easy enough to take the baby with us or um, he gets babysat. This life is pretty new for Alex. At the moment, she's taking a break from fishing, caring for Byron while Nipper catches eels, fish and prawns in the river. But until pretty recently, she was out on a prawn trawler, training to be a skipper. I started fishing when I was 18. I had just left school, basically. Got my um, Year 12 certificate and drove straight to Yamba. (laughs) Bugged everyone down the wharf for a job until someone gave me a job. And that's it. I started as a deckhand. Three years later, I got my qualifications and I started training to drive on um, one of the Amber trawlers. I'm Jess O'Cullaghan and this is The Business of Fishing, a podcast from the Young Farmer Business Program, an initiative of the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries to help you get the skills you need for the office, not the boat. This season, you'll hear from some of New South Wales' most inspiring young commercial fishers, oyster farmers and aquaculturists about how they work and the way they run their businesses. And there's a lot to learn from Alex Tucker's story about getting started in the industry and what it takes to be a good wild harvest fisher. There are lessons too in making business decisions that make sense for you and your life, about knowing what you want and forging your own path. Alex didn't grow up in Yamba. She finished Year 12 in the Blue Mountains and then headed straight up the coast. When she talked herself into her first job as a deckhand, she'd never even been fishing before. No, I actually hadn't seen a fish ever in my life, like in the supermarket maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't actually a live fish, no way. Yeah. So what got it in your head that you wanted to do that? I had, I think I would have been seven or eight and one of my mum's friends came over and they were a fisherman and they were telling me all these sick stories and I was like, yep, that's what I want to do. So um, I did it. But Alex was no stranger to the water. Her dad is a maritime officer, and when she was younger, she would go sailing with him. Maybe that's what drew her to the open sea. My first experience on the ocean, I was running a yacht, and we hit this big storm, like a squall. It kind of came out of nowhere. It was a beautiful day, and all of a sudden, 
me and my dad and the rest of our family was there, but they were all below and I'm trying to help him and I'm working really hard and I just loved it. I love the hard work and I love that it was so exciting, kind of a little bit dangerous. So I think that's what really drew me to fishing and all those scary stories. I was like, yeah, I could do that. It's just like that time. So yeah, that's kind of it. It's the hard work and it's the, uh, I suppose, danger of it all. Even though her dad introduced her to the ocean, he's not a huge fan of her career choice. Oh, he hates it. He, uh, <laughs> being, being a maritime officer, he is not a fan of fishermen. They go, oh, well, we've been doing it this way for so many years. You know, my grandfather did it like this. And my dad's just got to be like, well, you can't do that anymore. You need to stop. It is not safe. And they just, oh, I think they just pick the most fights because they feel so entitled to the work that they're doing and the river and ocean systems that they're working because they spend the most time on it, which they do. So when I was like, yeah, I want to be a fisherman, Dad actually, um, the first kid that took me out, he told them to scare me and like scare her, make sure she doesn't want to do it again. Apparently he tried, but it just did not work for me. So, yeah, he and, you know, when I really started getting into it, he's like, oh, so you're going to, you know, pick something else, right? And I was like, no, I actually really like this. Starting out on a prawn trawler, Alex found herself sorting a lot of prawns. Everyone else kind of did all the, I'm going to say, hard work, um, dealing with all the nets and the boat and all that stuff. And then you get into it and you start learning more jobs and, like, what you do in the nets, how to bring them up, how to work the winch, and then I started getting into the boat stuff and how to drive and, and where to find fish and that kind of stuff. And I started getting further into it. My first skipper, the first guy who took me out is David Smith. Is Everyone knows him as Bear. He was awesome, awesome to learn from. He was very laid back and I messed up so many times. There were so many things I did and now I look back and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? And I thought he must have thought I was an idiot for sure. He must have just rolled his eyes. I don't know how he put up with me, to be honest, but he did and he just taught me so much. And then, unfortunately, his boat sunk at the wharf. So I couldn't work with him anymore, but I got offered another job on another boat from Duck, who's an absolute legend. He's got to be the best skipper, almost well-renowned skipper in the whole area. He was so great to learn on. By a strange coincidence, Duck's boat had actually sunk as well before Alex started as his deckhand. And he's an older man, so he didn't go and buy another boat straight away. Instead, he got employed by Stephen Everson, who's also great to work for, and um, David Saul, who's big in the fishing industry. So they own the boat. Um, They employed Duck and then Duck chose me to be his deckhand. And he just taught me everything about fishing and boating and how to do things safe, how to work smarter, not harder, and it was just amazing to work for. Alex was learning how to fish for prawns and the technical skills needed out on the water. But there were also important lessons to learn about the business of fishing from bear and duck. I suppose uh, common courtesy is a big thing out there. It's, you know, who gets to go first, where you're moving out of everyone's way. Um, That's sort of what I was up to and how to just deal with everybody else out there without, you know, everyone hating you, I suppose. Alex says this stuff, the unspoken rules of fishing. It's one of the biggest differences between fishing in a river like the Hawkesbury and out to sea where she prefers it. 
in the river, especially here, I hear a lot of the boys, they get very angry at each other because they're dropping in on each other. And But they do it anyway because I don't, I don't know why it's so rushed, but it is. Um, whereas in the ocean, we all just seem a little more laid back. We're like, oh, yeah, they were there first. They get it. We'll, you know, do it later or move out of their way. It's all... You know, everyone gives and takes in the ocean, whereas I think in the river they're all very um, money-hungry and in it for themselves. I want to be at sea more than I want to be at the river. Um, the sea is kind of a bit of a calling. I don't know if it's the big boats and the glory of being an ocean fisherman, but um, i just rather it. I've been out on the river with him a few times and it's just not not the same. Not yeah. for me. Looking out at the river, Alex tells me more about what prawn trawling involves. The ocean's all about the size of prawns too. Yeah, so right. all the little prawns are close to shore, the big prawns are further out, basically. Um, Would you guys do all sorts? Yeah, yeah. Um, it just depends. You obviously want to get the most prawns you can in a night. Depends on if... You know, out wider, the big prawns that are easiest sort, if there's enough of them out there. Yeah. Um, or in closer, and I don't know. Everything plays a part. The moon's probably the biggest one. So if it's really light, the ones that are closer to shore don't come out. Because summer's really notorious for working, like, in close to shore. Summer's great because you don't drop the nets until sunset, which mm. is, you know, 8 p.m., um, and then you're picking them up at, you know, say, 6 a.m. or whenever the sun rises. And then on top of that, you're only spending, like, half an hour to get to sea. Hunter, here, now. Come on. I don't know what the teenage defiance is. While Alex loves the ocean, Paul knows this river like the back of his hand. During the summer, he does school prawns, um, so he's trawling for them. During the winter, he does eels which is trapped eels, um, and he mashes for mullet or brim or, I don't know, whatever happens to be there. So, yeah, he's kind of fading out of mashing at the moment. He just doesn't doesn't like it. <laughs> and, you know, it's night work. He's not a fan of that either. So, yeah, and he seems to do all right on the prawns during the summer. He gets to lay back during winter a little bit. He'll sell most of his product directly to customers here on the Hawkesbury and the rest he'll drive to the Sydney fish market, catching the ferry over the river and heading into the city. He's got to leave at, you know, 2-3am to get there just before they open the market so they are still alive by the time the buyers get them and can transfer them into their own live tanks. He has just found a market for his eels. Um, he knows someone who is smoking them. Apparently it's really good. I will admit we had eels on the fire while we were camping once and it was actually, I don't eat seafood, I don't like it, but they were actually really good. So um, I'm really excited to see what these smoked eels do and I really want to try one. So, yeah, he's really lucky that way. But what he can't sell to those markets do go to Sydney Fish Market. So, When Alex was in Yamba, the prawn she caught were often sold this way too, direct to restaurants or the local fish and chip shop. Yeah, I, I found working on boats, most of what we were selling were going to the local fish and chip shops or, um, you know, local restaurants rather than actually going to our own co-op because uh, our own co-op doesn't pay as good as the fish shops do. So why would we, you know, sell to them when we can be making more money somewhere else? Alex keeps up a presence on social media. Her Instagram account, Captain Tucker, shares incredible pictures from the decks of prawn trawlers and now adorable pictures of Byron floating in the Hawkesbury or prawns that Paul's caught in the river. 
There are a lot of great fishing accounts across social media, young fishers sharing what they do and how they do it. I want to know if it's a career move, if Alex hopes her social media presence helps her build a career. In maybe 10, 15 years, it's definitely going to be better when the older boys are pushing out of the industry. But a lot of stuff is still all word of mouth for a lot of them. In saying that, though, I was offered a lot of jobs because of my social media presence. And a lot of people have said, oh, this girl's doing really good. We'll see if she wants to work with us. But yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of the boys are still very old school and it's not, you know, my skipper didn't have, actually, I don't think any of my skippers have had social media or anything at all. So. But posting on social media about a lack of baby-sized wets did result in a custom-made set in the mail for Byron. And funnily enough, it brought her nipper underscore eel underscore boy as well. Alex was still up in Yamba, working on Duck's prawn trawler when she met Nipper on Instagram. She was building up her account and she followed a heap of other fishermen so she could start to get a following. I followed him and it's, I saw his post come up and I was like, he's really cool, I quite like this guy. <laughs> and then he, I think he messaged me on one of my stories, just replied to something because he actually met my skipper this the winter beforehand. I um, mean, he was going to come out and he's like, oh, you work with Duck? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I was going to come out with Duck. And I was like, oh, you should. And well, he did. <laughs> he drove up to Yamba. He came to sea with us. Um, he was meant to stay, well, he was meant to come up for one day and he stayed the whole week. Alex had just got her marine engine driver qualifications when she met Nipper. The training meant she could skip her a boat herself. The guys I was working with, they were going through the process of buying another boat for me to run. And it was just, it seemed like it was taking forever. They had this one boat they were looking at, they'd gone and looked at it, and it was just, I think it was a year of kind of, oh, are we doing it or are we not doing it? And I just felt like, sort of like I was being a little bit let, let on. I was like, am I going to be driving my own boat or am I going to be stuck being a deckhand forever? Because I have been, I was already offered other jobs skippering, and I was like, well, that's what I want to do, that's where I want to go. So, yeah, we, they were still going through all that. I was in a position, I had already done a few nights skippering. I kind of, I felt confident that I knew what I was doing and I was ready to go. This is the ultimate goal for Alex, skippering on someone else's boat. She sees the risk in running your own fishing business and wants something a little more stable. It's always been my mindset that it's a big gamble buying a business. You know, you're paying a lot of money to own a business a lot of money for the shares and the licensing and then obviously the boats and equipment. And, yeah, you're turning over more, but at the end of the day you're still putting that money back into the boat, you're paying more tax. It's just not stable enough. And I think as if you don't own a boat and you just skip out, you're still making decent money. You don't have all the stresses that owners do. You might lose your job, but you can always go and just get another job. So with her qualifications and a boat on the horizon, Alex was ready for this next part of her career. How many years have you been doing it for then? I think four, maybe three and a half, four years. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like a long time, but I felt like, you know, I learnt a lot in that time. And I'd come from a very marine background, even though I wasn't into the fishing thing, so I felt I could deal with the boat side of things, definitely. Um, As long as I had someone kind of guide me on where the fish are, (laughs) I think I should have been all right. But yeah, that's when I fell pregnant, and that was a year and a bit ago now. My baby's eight months. 
Alex and Nipper did long distance for a while, but when Alex fell pregnant with Byron, she decided to move here to the Hawkesbury where Nipper was. When I fell pregnant, I was like, you know what? We'll move. I'll get back to fishing later. I knew I always wanted children, so why not do it now instead of getting, you know, working really hard into a career and then, you know, being the skipper, being in charge, having a good crew and a good boat and having everything worked out and then go, actually, I want kids and I have to leave all that again and then start over. Yeah, I just decided not to do that and I'll do the baby thing now. I'm extremely happy with Paul and it just, it feels so right, more right than anything else. So it just made sense. And Alex figures in the long run, it's the right choice for her career as a fisher as well. Yeah, it's... It's so tricky and it's something I've talked to a lot of women about, especially young women around my own age who are like, look, I really want to do the kid thing, but I just don't see it happening because I can't sacrifice work in that way. And it's just, I suppose it's better off for me doing it younger and getting it, it sounds bad, but over and done with. Um, And so they can be, look, he's going to be 18 and I'm going to be 40. Um, and a lot of the boys are 40 and still being deckhands. So I don't know, to me that that just makes more sense than waiting until I'm, you know, 35 or something and then I'm, you know, out of the shop for 10 years. As a woman in the fishing industry, Alex is very aware that the job is insecure in ways that other industries aren't. As a deckhand, she always worked for a cut of the catch without any job security. Basically, we are pure commission. So we make a percentage of what the boat turns over, which is tricky because it means we don't get holidays, we don't get any kind of sick pay, we don't get, you know, weekly pay. So if the boat doesn't go out, we don't go out. And it it sucked for me because I'm not entitled to maternity leave or anything. Um, In fact, I don't even get my job back now at all. So it's a bit of a bummer, but, you know, it's you got to do it for the job. So In each other, Nipper and Alex have found someone else who shares their love of the work. Without being a fisherman, I could not imagine dating a fisherman because all he does is work. That's it. I don't see him ever. And I know I was the same when I was working. Like I would be at sea during winter up to 20 hours a day and I'd come home and I would sleep and that was it. But for me, because I loved the job and I loved what I was doing, it was never a problem. But I couldn't imagine being with someone who doesn't kind of understand that that's the life because I would just get so frustrated that you're never home, you're never around and you're not like, living like a normal person, I suppose. We're lucky enough that Paul doesn't work weekends or doesn't have to because he's prawning. You can't prawn on the weekends in the river. So he can still do his traps and stuff, but he just tries not to. So on the weekends we get family time. We'll go camping or on bushwalks or something like that. But during the week it's all fishing all the time. And, you know, Byron, we just kind of take him with us. We involve him with what we're doing most of the time. So... um, I think it is very mixed together at the moment. Alex might head out on the river with Nippermore when Byron's a little older, but for now she tries not to make things harder by working together as well as caring for a baby. I don't know if you've ever worked with a partner before, but it is (laughs) not much fun. Um, He gets, most fishermen get very angry when they're working and they just get so frustrated when someone isn't quite on it and especially when you expect someone to already know everything. So I totally get where he's coming from. But when it's your partner that's getting angry at you, you're kind of like, no, <laughs> take a step back. Um, and then obviously you've got to come home to him and, like, 
I don't know, eat dinner together. Like, how do you do that? (laughs) After you just had a big argument at work and you both think you're right. And ultimately, the sea is calling. Well, I want to go back to sea. I would ideally love to be fishing out of Yamba again. I, it sounds bad, but I'm a little bit picky on boats. I do not like steel boats. They are just loud and obnoxious and although they're bigger I'm just I'm not a fan so I want to be back on the timber boats and they all happen to be in that you know Coffs, Yamba, Ballina area so further up north there's a lot of well there's a lot more um, shipwrights that are into wood and not metal so you're getting you know the real deal come in taking care of the boats um, and I think that's so important especially when you want to keep a boat beautiful like I was lucky enough that the boats that I was working on were really well well taken care of. So I want to be back on one of those boats, not, not on a boat that's always falling apart. And, you know, most of the timber boats, they'd all be at least 30 years old. So they're just not in great shape. Age does that. And, you know, you need someone who's going to take care of it. And unfortunately, all those people are further up north, I think. So I'd love to go back up there. But obviously, Paul's got everything here so you know I'm in a position that it's maybe I will go to sea in Sydney or maybe I'll start up the golf and I'll start doing golf seasons and go you know more or less disappear for a few months at a time. It's really easy to get caught up in what your immediate wants and needs are when you're working in a competitive industry like fishing but knowing what you want your life to look like in 20 years as well as the next five can be a useful way to make decisions about your own future and the future of your business. Alex knew she wanted kids at some point in the future and setting long-term goals meant she could take that time now before she built a career as a skipper, something it would have been harder to take a break from. Alex also knows the power of social media and the way those awesome visuals that come with fishing, incredible shots from boats, boxes full of prawns, can grow a following and a brand. More than a marketing tool, social media is a way to grow your networks outside of the other people within your own area. It's a way to make connections within the industry and it can come with job offers and new friendships. You can't treat it as a job, like a normal nine-to-five job where you get to come home and that's it. Um, It's always fishing all the time. I mean, right, we have nets, uh, not nets, but traps half-made in the living room. Like, you know, it's always fishing and it's always going to be. So you got to love it with everything. And if you hate anything about fishing, it is going to kill the rest of your life because you're just never going to, you know, love it enough to keep doing it and keep enjoying doing it. We hope you liked this episode of The Business of Fishing, brought to you by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Young Farmer Business Program. Thanks to Alex Nipper and Byron. Find more episodes of The Business of Fishing on your favourite podcast app. Next episode, catching and selling seed oysters with Ewan Bale and Bella Fatai in Port Macquarie. We grow them for 18 months and move them on because they can't catch oysters or they might not catch as many as they need. So, yeah, we supply them with a juvenile oyster that's basically halfway there and they finish it off. Catch you then.